Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory, a podcast where we help you focus in on teamwork, leadership, and culture, or what we like to call the TLC, not necessarily just of business. Our podcast is listened to by folks around the world talking about different things in families, sports teams, cheerleading squads, high schools. It doesn't matter. The ideas we share with you here, while may given in one way, can be worked in so many different directions. And we hope that you're enjoying listening to our podcast. Today, we have another expert online with us. He comes to us. He's somebody I've actually had the privilege to know for a number of years. And he's also a business leader himself. He also helps in speaking. So Arnold Sanow is going to join us, and he has an MBA as well as his certified speaking professional designation. He works with leaders and teams, helping them get along better. Sound a little familiar, doesn't it? But not just get along better with each other, get along better with customers as well as colleagues and employees, primarily improving communication skills, emotional intelligence, and interpersonal relationships. And of course, he also does presentation skills, helping you understand how to be a better presenter. He's the author of seven books, including Get Along With Anyone, Anytime, Anywhere, and Present with power, punch, and pizzazz. He's delivered over 2,500 keynotes and professional development programs and was rated by Successful Magazine as one of the top five big bang, bang for the buck speakers in the United States. He's also a former adjunct professor at Georgetown University. Arnold, it's great to see you again. How you doing? Hi, it's great to see you again, Greg. Yeah. With the, with the pandemic and everything, Arnold and I haven't had a chance to see each other like we usually do, so it's kind of good to get him involved here and see him again. Um, you know, we talk about teamwork and getting along, and, you know, we know it's important to get along. I mean, let's face it, with all the turmoil going on in the world today, we need to get along. There is a reason behind it, though, and I think, it's, I think you address it very well. So uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are, and what leads you to the point of helping people to want to get along? Well, you know, Greg, when we talk about helping people get along, I always like to quote like Daniel Goldman, who wrote Emotional Intelligence. And he basically said, we're judged by a new yardstick, not only how just smart we are by our training or expertise, but also how well we handle ourselves and each other. And so getting along is really important. And it's interesting in working with companies and organizations over the years, uh, I find that 90% of the problems are some type of communication breakdown when you really boil it down yep, to absolutely. It be misunderstanding, miscommunication, misinformation, mistrust are all aspects that get into it. And, you know, it's interesting, according to a Harvard and Stanford University study a long time ago, they said that only 15% of your success in your job will be due to the technical skills. Like if you want to persuade, motivate, get along with others will be due to your technical skills at 85% will be your communication, your emotional intelligence, and your ability to get along when you, you know, get, get to get along with others in that case. So taking that into respect, you have to take a look at it. So when we talk about getting along, um, I, I would say no matter how well people are getting along now, 
um, even making a slight improvement in that communication, emotional intelligence, uh, everyday interactions, and uh, will, will help you um, significantly enhance rapport, relationships, and connections with other, whether it's teammates, whether it's customers, whether it's employees, whether it's stakeholders, all fit into that same uh, aura. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you get started in all of this? I mean, everybody's got their own little background story of where they got to. And was there something going back to your childhood or in your early adult life that you started seeing and started researching and doing this? What got you into this? Well, educationally, I have a background in uh, uh, counseling psychology. So I really got in. I'm just really, I'm just excited about or interested on how people react and do things. And I've always been curious too. I was one of the little, when I was a kid, I would always when I traveled with my parents, I would sit in hotels and ask people these personal questions all the time. I'm just curious how going along, you know, how's your marriage? Oh, I'm sure that went over real well. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got kicked out of a lot of hotels and stuff. So I would ask these questions. And, and then, you know, on my background, I also had an MBA in marketing. So, um, and I started out, I was a marketing director of the Marine Corps at one point, and then I was a vice president of an association. Um, but I was always dealing with, um, Counseling, like how to how to get along with people, and I saw that as uh, as as the background. So I got into that, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and um, you know, I started writing books on it, started talking about it, started researching it, and, and uh, just reading and working with it, and getting more training in it, and it mm -hmm. just blossomed from there. What I find fascinating is the psychology of it, and the emotional intelligence, and marketing. Mm -hmm they're kind of diametrically opposite. Mm -hmm. How did those two, I mean, tell, how did that kind of come about? I mean, most people go down one path and they might expand it. You're on two very diametrically opposites. What happened? How did, how did that come about? Well, I, I always liked, I, I, and I have this thing, I like selling stuff too. So I, I'm, I'm just, background is in, it's sort of in that area. But part of the selling, if you want to make sales, it's really, when you talk about making sales, it really boils down to relationships. It's mm -hmm. a relationship business. So the yes. more relationships you have, the more connections you have. Let's clarify that. Yeah. Good salespeople understand it's about relationships. Right. <laughs> the, the not so good salespeople are trying to sell you something. Exactly. Good salespeople are trying to help you buy. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, like uh, I you and I belong to the National Speakers Association and, you know, there's people that go to a meeting and they say, geez, I went to a meeting and nobody bought something I had. Well, you know, nobody knows who you are or what you do. And it's, it's, it's time. You've got to spend the time. I think a lot of people just want to get right to the, you know, make that sale right away. Are they you ever go to a meeting and somebody says, Hey, Greg, um, you know, well, you want to buy what I have. Here's what about. And, and it really boils down to this point that there's an old saying, be interested, not just interesting. Um, when you look at, and, and I've always sort of lived by that. You know how people come to you, they just talk about how, who they are and what they've done and how great they are. And I'm sure you've run across this um, where it's like, um, again, what is it that, how, how can I help you? How can I get to know you? And I think you have to have, to have that innate kind of curiosity. I've always had like a high level of curiosity. And I, um, and, and I think once you have that, uh, it works a lot better. So um, you know, be interested, not just interesting is something I would leave with everybody listening today. That's, that's, that's amazing. I, was just, I just wrote that down. I think that's, that's powerful. Yeah. So what's one of the obstacles we communication is it, but what's one of the obstacles people have today in getting along and is it different in their personal life and professional life? Well, you know, when you say one of the biggest obstacles, 
you know, it's not, it's not, it's not just what people say that's important. Uh, it's what they don't say and how it's perceived. And I think a lot of times uh, we come across and we judge people. We make snap judgments. Uh, we make assumptions about people. Um, and this is really an obstacle of getting along. And you've all heard that term perception is reality, which is not really true. But my perception is your reality. And your perception of me is my reality. And you know, when you look at how long somebody takes to make up their mind about you, it's like milliseconds. And then you got to talk your way out of it. And then it could mm-hmm. be press, it could be your body length, it could be your tone. All these things get in the way of, of getting along. Um, so, uh, you know, you need to take a look at that and say, where maybe where are my perceptions leading me the wrong way uh, when dealing with people? Yeah. And then you're, you're so spot on. I mean, the time frame that it takes to do it. And another thing, that I've heard before and help me out with this is it's not just what I may say or my body language. It may be the situation you're in right now. And I may be engaged in something that triggers something that has nothing to do with our immediate conversation. Exactly. So what I think what you're saying there is that a, a, something that we're talking and it reminds me of something that happened in my past or maybe a bias I had in the past, a mm-hmm. bias I have now could be. It could be like, again, uh, assumption or, uh, you know, so, something like that that gets in the way of what we're doing. And that, that's, that's huge. And sometimes, you know, I may not even know that I've done something. Yeah. And, you know, so, just to give, I'm sorry, to give you an example of that, let's say uh, I walk, let's say you're my boss and I walk by you, to you in the morning and I say, good morning, Greg. And you say nothing. And so what happens is I walk away and I'm thinking, okay, does he hate me? I perceive it as a slight. Um, am I going to get fired? You know, all these things go in and, and we don't really realize sometimes the messages that we're sending to people mm-hmm. that are giving people those reactions. Right. Now let's assume that something like you just mentioned there, you walk by the office and say, good morning. And I'm, I'm just so engaged in something. I don't even really notice that you've said good morning. You take it a certain way. What can I possibly do to bring that back around. Cause now I may go by your desk and say something to you and you're a little aloof. So what can we do in that situation? Well, first of all, the only person you can change is yourself when you really boil it down to it. Mm-hmm. So I can't change you and, and this, but you know, when you look at how to make a change, there's three steps to making a change. First of all, you need to be aware of the need to make a change. So maybe that's why you listen to the podcast. You, you hear something saying, maybe I should do it. Second thing is you need to make a commitment. You know, what I mean by commitment, how many of us, for example, have said, well, let's go, let's go ahead and go on a, um, a diet. Some of you may want to go on a diet or an exercise program. So you make that commitment. But then the third step is you need to take action. So um, you're aware, you make a commitment and you take action. And then again, to take action. Um, so, you know, you do, you say you're going to do a diet and what happens two days later, you do something else. So you need to keep going. And there's an old rule of thumb, which probably everybody heard, although there's a new rule of thumb coming out from England. I just heard from a professor and Greg, you've heard this, you know, they do something for 21 days in a row. It becomes what a habit. Supposedly. Supposedly. And then, but then this person from England, I was just reading in psychology today said, no, you have to do something for 66 days in a row to make it a habit, which I don't personally like. I'd rather do it in 21 days, but right. um, Um, I was just listening to a book uh, about habits doing the same thing. And it's not about the number of days, because let's face it, if you're only doing something three days a week, right, you know, that's one thing, but it's about the repetition. Mm -hmm. And some things, the harder the change is, you need more repetition to do it. And sometimes those numbers of repetition can be upwards of 100. Mm -hmm. 
you know, before it starts to get in there. And then uh, obviously the more you do, the more you do, the more you do, the stronger it becomes. And then it gets more ingrained. Yeah. It's sort of like um, when I was uh, worked with the Marine Corps, they really got you into like running. And so I would run and I'd run for a couple of days and I got, and by the way, in the Marine Corps, it was interesting. Even as a civilian, uh, if you ran with them, they thought you were great. I mean, you could be an idiot. I should say that, but if you ran, you were okay. Um, so I would do a couple days and then I'd be off a couple days, but then I did that like 21 days in a row. And that actually got the habit going. And to this day, I still do like five to eight miles a day, actually, not just running. Sometimes I'll walk it, but I have my little trusty, um, uh, you know, what do you call it? iPhone with me all the time and make sure I get at least those 12,000 or 13,000 yep. steps. Yep. So, it works. Yeah, absolutely. It's so first off, I do want to say thank you for your service in the Marine Corps. That's thank you. You, know, you and I've known each other, I don't know how many years, and I just never knew that about you. So, you know, I appreciate your service. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about getting that commitment, getting that change in place, it's also about changing our habits about how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often said it's about recognizing other people and modeling them. Mm-hmm. some people want to think that that's uh, being manipulative. Can you address that? Well, you know, and, and, and a lot of people said that before. It's like, well, if I start doing acting like them or I act a certain way, and by the way, when you say acting like them, I can't act like you. You know, I, I, you know and it becomes inauthentic. You ever right. see somebody, they see a speaker, because we're both in the speakers association. People say, well, I want to be like them. I said, you know what? It's going to come across as you're a phony and fake. Mm-hmm. You got to be yourself and, and got to be yourself. I use the term model them, but not be like them. Yeah. And Greg, you know, this too, like a lot of times you'll see speakers and I've seen them with all different types of, you know, styles and, and a lot of them, and they're effective in their style, most of them, you know, and it's like, you don't have to be like Greg or Arnold or somebody else. You got to be yourself uh, in that area. So, um, you know, modeling like them uh, makes you, and the key really is you want to be authentic. Um, yes. And then be, that makes you more trustworthy and more approachable, more likable, you know, uh, and going into that. And, and speaking of that, too, it gets really into your body language and tone and how you come across uh, makes a difference in that case. Yeah, that all comes back to the old study of neurolinguistic programming, too. And that, that's that's so powerful there. Exactly. Um, I know that I because I'm very, very engaging and outgoing and sometimes a little over the top. I can remember several years ago, my wife and I were at the grocery store and I'm chatting with the cashier and going like this and go, you know, my positivity is going out and everything else. And she goes, looks to my wife and says, wow, is he always like this? My yeah. wife goes, yeah, pretty much. She goes, wow, that's so cool. My wife goes, not really. <laughs> Depends how you see it. Yeah. So if we're somebody who's over the top or we're somebody who's very withdrawn, what are some things we can do to soften that image about things to try and get along with other people? Okay. Well, to soften your image, first of all, um, let's talk, and, and you're talking about body language and tone and, and everything that we're, yeah, it's a whole bit. And to create a positive impression and build rapport, relationships, connections, be more approachable. Let me give you a little acronym I like to use. It's called SOFEN, S-O-F-E-E-N. And to make yourself more approachable, likable, and trustworthy, the S um, would be, and if I had a group, I'd actually be more interactive here, but the S would be smile. And when I say smile, I, I say to, when I work with people, I say, first of all, if you don't normally smile, 
don't do it all of a sudden. So, <laughs> okay, what's Greg up to? He's going to fire me or whatever. Yep. So, um, the other thing I would say on that, only smile when appropriate. So if you have bad news, you know, I saw this one time on the news, there was a, um, a broadcaster and he was talking about uh, the deaths in Fallujah. You know, he said, and, there, and he said this, he said, there are five deaths in Fallujah. And he had this weird smile on his face. And, and you know, a smile can be physiological too. It, it doesn't, it, it's just an interaction. It doesn't mean he's laughing, but what do people pick it up as? So you've got to be careful on that. And then by, when you're on the phone to make sure you smile, because a lot of us are doing these, you know, in person, not in person anymore. Um, make sure uh, what I've done with a couple of companies I have, we actually put mirrors next to everybody's desk. And when you ring, when you, you go ring, 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 good morning, how are you? They had to smile before they answered the phone and they had a lot less complaints. So the first thing to make yourself more approachable, likable and trustworthy uh, and come across in that way is smile. This next thing, the O is open. And when I say open, you know, whether it's virtual or it's in person, you really got to watch what you're doing. And, and by the way, one of the, just talking about virtual meetings, uh, one of the big things is people picking up these wrong nonverbal cues that people have. You ever been in a, you know, we, we've been doing sessions and you see mm -hmm. people just like looking around, they're not paying attention. And, and what's your reaction? And immediately you have that perception that person's a bad employee, you know, we don't like them, the whole bit. So um, that, but, it, but in person, what I would recommend too is watch out for doing stuff like this. You know, when yep. you cross your arms, let's say you and I get in a disagreement, my arms are crossed, you're going to, you know, we're never going to get it, that stuff. So I'm, I'm so conscious of body language now that I keep my hands at my side no matter what, because people are picking up, you know, who knows, they pick up messages in milliseconds about you. So the O is open. So keep your arms uncrossed. The F, I call that forward lean or focus. And you know, in a virtual world, you know, you get a little excited about something, you know, look at the camera and, and focus in on the camera at that point and lean forward, even in, and by the way, when you're in person, doesn't mean leaning over like this, um, but it means paying attention to the person. And when I say focus, you ever had somebody talking to you at a meeting and it was like, um, they're looking all around, but at you, anybody, I don't know if you've ever oh, had, yeah. had yeah. that number of times. Yeah. And when you want to give somebody the greatest respect just, I'm so conscious of this that I pay, and it's hard. I haven't been doing it great at this myself, but I'll pay totally attention to that person and ignore everybody else. Mm -hmm. and that gives the greatest respect to anybody. So. Now, and that's so key. I want to, I want to just address that for a second. When I was a child, um, I actually got jumped in school and a switchblade was put at my throat. Oh, geez. Yeah. I became very, um, they took like 40 cents of money or something like that, threw me against the locker and ran away. Obviously, you know, you're in the eighth grade, you don't report stuff like that because then you're just going to get beat up even more. <laughs> but ever since then, I had become consciously aware that I'm constantly doing this, doing that look around all the time. Yeah. So when I would have a meeting with people, I purposely would sit with my back to the doorway. Because if I sat with my back to the wall, I would, I would find myself doing that. And it was hard. Yeah. So I would in turn now change and sit the other direction that forced me to watch their eyes more. Right. And pay more attention to them. I had a level of trust that if something's going on behind me, they're going to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but that worked. And I mean, it's, it's it, whatever you can do to make that work. Now, whatever's a little thing that we can do to do it for ourselves. And it's going to be different for everybody.
Yeah. And, and it's sort of like uh, people are always looking, well, maybe there's somebody better to talk to. So, you know, it, it just gives that impression that there's another person uh, in there. So of course, the, we both live in the Washington, D.C. area. And so you never know what celebrity or politician you right. may be spotting. Yeah. So maybe I should talk to them instead of Arnold. Yeah. You know, who knows? But yeah, you take it. But and with social media today, that has become a huge thing. People are looking to see who they might see so they can pull their phones out and do some video of it. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because we're both in the National Speakers Association and we've both going to national. We've both gone to national meetings. And uh, one speaker a long time ago um, came up and he said, you were the only and, and I'm not just trying to brag about myself, but um, you were the only person who spent as a newbie. I came in and you were the only person who spent some time and talked to me and just gave me your full attention. Um, and you never know where these persons grow because the end, person ended up becoming the president of the National Speakers Association at one point. So um, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, here's somebody and, and he remembered that. He, he even mentioned that in his speech when he became president. He said he was the only one who paid attention because I was a newbie. You know how somebody's like mm -hmm. not the cool kids. You know, because Greg's in the cool kids group. So Greg, everybody was oh, yeah. to Greg. And that's so and, true. And, and, and that's so true in businesses or any association meetings and things like that. We we get into our clicks and we've got to make sure that we we break that. Right. We break that and we talk to everybody. And, and again, just from a self-serving thing, you never know where that person's going to go. Uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not so to we, take it in that way. Yeah. So we've got smile, be open, forward leaning. What's the T? And the T is territory. And that means getting, and this is, means getting into somebody's space. By the way, this is all based on American culture, but the T is, um, in American culture, the ideal distance to be away from somebody is 14 inches to four feet. There's a wide variety. Yeah. And uh, you know anybody like this when you're talking to them and they don't get it? They're this is in person, but they're right in your face, and then you yeah they invade them. the personal space. Yeah, per, and they, you, they they don't just they just keep going. They just follow you, and you know all you picked up is bad breath. You just want to get out of there. So just be careful of that type of thing. Um, so just so T is territory, mm -hmm. uh, and watch out because if you're tall, for example, or small, that can be very intimidating. And by the way, if you're in my face, I'm not listening to a word you're saying. So you got to be aware of that stuff. Right. So the T is that. Uh, going on, the, uh, the E um, is eye contact. Um, and when we tie about eye contact, uh, let me just say this. There's a fine line between staring and stalking. And I, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but sometimes I have meetings with small groups and somebody's just looking at me the whole time. And then you start wondering, you know, is, is my, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're looking at you. And then you, you wonder, is my zipper down or what, you know, why are they looking at me so much? And you ever have that thing? It's just like, you know, but in American culture, the ideal time to keep your eyes on anyone is about three to five seconds. So, but don't do start doing this. Don't start going like, I got to get off now, finish your point. And, and, you know, in presentation skills, first of all, you know, this Greg, but when you, when you have a group, you want to look at somebody till you finish the point. So forget the three to five seconds, and then you move on to somebody else and you finish the point. And when you have a large group, you look in that direction and three to five seconds and everybody thinks you're looking at them. But then you ever seen people do this? Well, let me tell you about the three things that are, and they think they have good eye contact, but they're floating. They're all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the map. So you got to watch out for that uh, mm -hmm. aspect of it. Uh, one other thing I'd say about the E, you know, eye contact's important. Um, but one other thing, especially when we're on Zoom calls or just being a presenter in any case, is um, I would call the E enthusiasm um, or energy because people are more convinced by your energy, enthusiasm, and conviction than anything else you do. Energy, enthusiasm, and conviction. So 
Um, the average attention span of an adult, according to American Psychological Association, is literally about eight seconds. Yep. Which means people will listen to you longer, but you better be relevant. You better have something to say and you better keep them sort of engaged. Um, so, um, and I know you're good at this. So the key is, but keep them, keep them engaged in that area. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing to make yourself more approachable, likable, and trustworthy is the N. And the N is nodding to show you're paying attention. Now, now not nodding off, by the way, too. Um, I, I, See, I, I thought N was going to be nosy. <laughs> nosy. Yeah. Nosy is probably a good one. But I, I would say when you nod, uh, you know, you ever seen us? And again, I'm going back to speakers, but I've seen people presenting and they're yawning while they're, they're bored with themselves. I mean, it is, it's just not cool. And so uh, NIH does a little study because I did some work with them and they found out if everybody takes two deep breaths, if you take two deep breaths, for some reason you will not yawn because yawning is a physiological, it doesn't mean you're tired, it's a physiological reaction. Yeah, you're trying to get more oxygen in your brain. More oxygen in your brain. Actually for the next 20 minutes, they said, and this doesn't always work, but next 20 minutes, there's a less tendency of you to actually yawn, which if you have an important meeting coming up or you need to talk to people, you may want to consider taking those two two deep breaths. So the key is- I'll have like, to try that tonight while I'm watching TV because I start yawning and want to fall asleep so early. <laughs> yeah. Although TV, you can yawn all you want. But uh, mm -hmm. but when you're talking like on a, a podcast or you're visual here or something, you got to watch out. So SOFT, so smile, um, it's open, um, uh, it's forward lean or focus. T is territory, E is um, eye contact. Uh, with a little thing on enthusiasm there. And then the N is nod. And if the, here's the point, if you don't do these things, people will focus on you and not the message you want to get across. So if you're not mm -hmm. looking at me, I'm thinking, well, why is he not looking at me? And, you know, our minds start wandering a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And you're not as approachable either. So you ever right. been to a meeting where somebody says, are there any questions? And you wouldn't dare ask because they look grumpy and they look, you know, they're not smiling and it's like, I'm not mm -hmm. going to ask anything. Forget yeah. it, you know, so. Um, so um, let me ask you a question, Arnold. Can I borrow $10,000? Did you borrow $10,000? Yeah. Well, I got to leave right now, so I'll see yeah. you later. <laughs> well, that brings me to the question. <laughs> we are often asked something. Right. And the $10,000, of course, is just an example, an extravagant one at that. We're often asked things, and some of us are guilty of saying yes all the time. Right. Yeah. So how... What's a good way to say no? Because you never want to start a sentence off with nope. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, you got to. And we're afraid sometimes to say no because we're afraid. And then sometimes you want to say no in a certain situation. You're afraid of how it's going to come out. You're mm -hmm. offending people. So here's what would happen. So, Greg, you want to, let's say, um, let's say, you know, have get $10,000 or, um, or let, let me take another one. Let me take it a work. Let's, let's take something a little more realistic here. Let me you say know, if something I'm calling here. into a customer service center and we have a lot of listeners on here that are in call centers, um, help desks and things like that. So if a customer calls in and says something to you about, you know, well, uh, I apologize for the situation. You've said that and here's what we can do. Well, this is what I want. And it's so extravagant. You can't do it. How do we tell them no? So if they say what they want, they say, well, first of all, I'd say, Greg, I understand this is important to you. And so what am I, by, by saying I understand, I'm empathizing with them, mm -hmm. feel important. I'm reflecting on what their needs are. So Greg, I understand this is important to you. However, 
you know, here's the situation. And by the way, I give a reason for that point. So here's the situation we can't do. Here's our rules. Here's a, something we can do. Here's why we can't do it. Some, some reason there. And by the way, people are a lot more compliant when you give a reason. So for example, managers who give reasons get a lot more compliance than managers who don't. So I understand this is important to you. However, here's the situation. And then I go into the A, which is here's an action alternative. Here's what we can do, Greg. Mm -hmm. you know, here's an alternative. Here's something else we can look at. You know, uh, why don't you get lost and see? No, I wouldn't say that. But, um, you know, there's there's three things. And, and so, for example, let's say you're interrupting me at work. Uh, another example of this, I said, Greg, I understand this is important to you. However, here's a situation. I got this report that's due out at 4.15 today. Why don't we do this? Why don't I meet you tomorrow at 3.30 or something mm -hmm. like that? So it's a nice way of saying no, because I'm. Uh, this comes up a lot because if people are afraid of how that's actually going to sound. Um, and they're afraid to say no to somebody. They're afraid to, you know, have that difficult conversation that comes in that play. And you know who has that problem the most? Pardon? You, in my mind, you know what, what group has that problem the most? What's that? Parents. Parents. Yeah, I'll say no. <laughs> you know, they sometimes will say no, be blunt, but they won't necessarily give a reason behind it. Yeah. And I think that's now, again, sometimes that reason we got to make sure it's age appropriate type things. And, but that's, these are things. And I just want to point out that a lot of what we're talking about is not just at work. These are communications in our personal lives, our professional lives, our social lives, our church, our synagogues, things of that nature. Yeah. This will keep you, this mm -hmm. is, this is good in any place that you go. I mean, sort of, you know, it's sort of like the old saying, I always tell people when we talk about all these things and saying no and uh, body language and words and language to use and all that stuff. Um, I, I used to keep this next to my, I still do, but it says home is your sanctuary, um, which means that, you know, we're going to get a lot of people saying things and going against us and not getting along with us. But in the one place you should be not be contemptible or say bad things or uh, get on somebody's cases in your home. So um, keeping that in mind, just, right. it is a personal thing too. Well, Let's look at, say, two people uh, on a team or in an office within different departments, um, or it doesn't matter where we are, but they're very diametrical differences, mm -hmm. okay? One of the worst things I know that can happen is having that conversation turn personal. Right. I get that. Beyond that, what are some things that a couple of people can do? They, again, it really does need to be done together. But what are things people can do if they, if they have total different beliefs in something, about something? What are things they can do to get along a little bit better and move towards the common goal of getting a project finished? Well, you know, first of all, sometimes you have to look at guidelines and ground rules. And um, one of the things, a lot of good things that teams start with when you're doing team building or teamwork is to start, what are the guidelines and ground rules that we want to live and work <laughs> by with our things? So, right. One of the things you may want to set up is like, okay, let's let's do expectations and consequences. So what are our expectations? What are the ground rules, the guidelines we want to live? So, so one of the things that uh, in some groups that we do is like, first of all, um, what's the three things you don't want to talk about? And um, here's three things we're not going to discuss. And uh, I always liked, um, you know, Ron Culberson, I'll, I'll use mm -hmm. his name here, but he's, he always says, first of all, you don't want to talk about politics because people get deranged. They'll go crazy. He says, so we're just going to talk about sex and religion was uh, so <laughs> I would, I would, I would avoid, you know, watch out for all three of those types of things. Yep. I had a fourth one. What's the fourth one? Money. Money. Okay. Yeah. 
you know, money is the big thing. Actually, isn't that the one of the number one reasons for top reasons for marriages falling apart? So which money and sex are the number one reasons, and both of those come back to poor communication. And the poor communication, yeah, which boils down to those communication breakdowns again, which is yeah. what this is all about. Exactly. And it all comes into there. Yeah, exactly. So, so but go ahead. No, that, that's so powerful because again, so many things are happening in so many different ways. So if we know that, you know, if, if two people are very different in something, and by the way, I loved your term ground rules mm-hmm. as opposed to just rules. Right. Because ground rules can change from team to team, office to office, division to division, because it's the ground rules, like in a baseball game, they go over the ground rules because every baseball park is different. Exactly. Okay. So I think that's really key to, to use that term. But assuming we've got this and now we need to have a conversation, mm-hmm. what are some things that we can either do or avoid to make sure that that conflict does not get personal. Okay. And so, so not to get personal, sometimes you got to watch out. Um, and let me talk about this. A lot of times it gets personal because of the words we use and the language we use. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's an old saying, you know, um, before you speak, uh, what's the old saying before, before, be sure to taste the words before you spit them out, uh, in a sense. I love that. I've never heard that one. Yeah. Before uh, taste the words before you spit them out, because a lot of times we get into disagreements. And as soon as I use words like Greg, you did this, or you did that immediately, you're going to become what you're going to become very defensive, defensive. Um, you know, other, other words to watch out in language I would be careful of is the word, this was in USA Today recently, oh, this last year, they said the number one word that people hated the most, 47% of Americans said was whatever. So you use the word whatever. Well, Greg, whatever. Thank you, Shania Twain. Yeah, whatever, you know. Whatever. Whatever. And then, you know what? That's just a, dis- I'm just dismissing you at that point. So um, other, other things that get into this is, uh, you know, when you say about keeping it from personal, Greg, you know, you did this and this and, but it's not personal. You know, you ever had somebody say it's not personal, which it is what it's when you say it's not, it is, it is personal. So, you know, and, and using accusing people, like we said, you did this or you did that, you know, another one that gets people in trouble a lot, which is, I always ask this at my sessions sometimes is how many of you are sarcastic? Um, And I get like, you know, three quarters raising their hands. I said, okay, there's just, and how many of you have been sarcastic when you said something and and they didn't get it, take it the right way. And then they hated you forever, never talked to you again. Um, so uh, if, you, if you're going to be sarcastic, just be very careful on who you're being sarcastic, sarcastic with. You know, but again, uh, you know, using the right words, the language that gets in there. Um, you know, another one that gets people in trouble sometimes. I did some work a long time ago for Hyatt Hotels and Ritz Carlton and some of those. And they use the word, uh, they've taken out of their vocabulary the word no problem. Um, because when you use no problem, so when you go to a, a hotel and you say, Greg, you know, um, let's say the, the desk receptionist there, you, they, you say thank you to them. Uh, and they, if they said no problem for people older than 1981, there's a definition here of, of ages, but people born before 1981, they're going to start thinking, okay, was there a problem? You know, all this type of stuff. Whereas people after that, no problem just means no problem. It's not a big deal. But um, a lot of these places I'm working with, they actually have that on their list of to get people to get along better. Let's not even, we don't mention that to our customers, to anybody, and they just take it totally out of the vocabulary. That's, so, that's really powerful. Yeah. So that's- let's, let's, In the last couple of minutes we have here today, sure. let's touch a little bit about 
presentations. There's so many of us. And when people think presentation skills, they think like you and I do a lot of uh, onstage presentations, 100, 200 people, you know, more. Sometimes it's trained. But what about those people who have to get up in front of their teams, uh, five or six people? What are a couple of really quick tips that you could give somebody uh, who has to get up? And of course, we've all heard the one, imagine your audience in their underwear. And right. we know that that does not work. Yeah. Okay. There are people I do not want to see in their underwear. Right. <laughs> okay. So what are a couple of tips you would give to people if they have to get up in front of their boss, in front of the board of directors, and they're not, they're not professional speakers. They don't want to become professional speakers. Yeah. We, but they have to speak. Yeah, they have to. And it, it's interesting because, you know, I'm actually coaching a couple of people like that now and, and they're, they're high level people sometimes. And they're a little nervous on how it comes through. And the number one thing I find is that fear, like you said, and, and we don't want to use the underwear thing too much because that, that has connotations to it. Um, but I, I would say a couple things that I've had them do is like um, some people meditate before they go on um, and there's good meditation apps. There's one that's called Calm, C-A-L-M. which right, is I have that one. Yeah, that's really good. You just listen to that before. Um, some people exercise, um, some people pray. Um, some people like it's, it's in their... Uh, it's the way you look at things too. So for example, if you're getting up and you start saying, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be, bad. guess what? It's going to be bad. So uh, yep. it's how you look at it. And then some other things, it's just a mental case here saying, well, you know what, how would they like to be doing it? You know, <laughs> Nobody, you know, all those things. And, and, then, and then you get into the psychology of it too. It's like, well, uh, the point is like, has anybody died from this? No, not that I know of, you know, type of thing. So um, it, it's just how you look at it. And it's the, the person, it's, it's yeah. the feeling of it. Yeah. And that, that's really key. And the one thing that I like to do is I like to tell people, just remember your audience does not know your script, right? They have no clue where you're going with it at all. So and if you make a mistake, don't say you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Cause you can come back and recover that. Yeah. But don't admit that you made the mistake. Yeah. And, and don't try to put everything in you want to put in because we could put a million things that you and I. Guilty. Are, yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's and then people don't get anything. It's sort of based on that book. I don't know if you ever read one word, but the focus of one word is that you focus on one thing at a time. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, going there. Well, it's like I think I read that Jerry Seinfeld has been known to spend hours taking an eight word joke to a six word joke. Exactly. Yeah. So. And what's the same thing? He, what is the saying he used to say? He said, uh, people are more, oh, I forget. Okay, you got me. I forget. There's a saying he used to say about people are more scared of speaking in front of a group than dying type of thing too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so untrue. So yeah, exactly. So, but the number one fear in business is speaking in front of public. Exactly. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and I, see it. Yeah. I say real quickly, you've got a list of six keys to getting people to sing your praises. So what are a couple of, do you have those real quickly for us? Yeah, let me give them real quickly to you. First of all, uh, to get people to like you, to trust you, to build that rapport and get along with others. Uh, the first one is attitude. And I don't mean to be fluffy about that, but let me give you a couple things to keep in mind about attitude to keep your attitude adjusted at all times. Uh, the first one is uh, the flip side exercise. Um, and the flip side exercise is looking at the best thing of, looking at the best things uh, that, that you could do no matter what. So for example, uh, let's say you hated your job. The flip side of that is, well, at least I got a job. So you think of it that mm -hmm. way. Or let's Zig say- Ziglar was master at that. Pardon? 
Zeke Ziegler was a master at getting people to think that way. Yeah, and if you think this flip side exercise, so that's one of the things. And and by the way, a long time ago, I had a contract with National in Dulles Airport about ten years ago, and uh, we actually had everybody had a little black book. And when somebody yelled at you, "What's the flip side? What's the flip side?" Eventually, you see that there's a good side to everything. The other thing I would say about attitude to keep you in good shape is um, I don't know if you do this, but I do this, and a lot of people do this, but. What am I, I also, when something goes wrong or I'm having a bad day, or let's say a client cancels or who knows what, um, have you ever had that one where somebody, you know, they, they booked you and the three people cancel on the same day. I, I won't go there, but uh, I keep saying, okay, what am I grateful for at this moment? What am yeah. I grateful for? And if you say that, you can think, you know what? I'm alive. I'm sitting here in my studio. I'm looking good with all that hair, you know, all that stuff going on. And so what am I grateful for? So think of two things, the flip side exercise and what am I grateful for at this moment? Um, second thing to get people singing your praises is to be reliable. And being reliable means doing what you say you're gonna do, when you're gonna do it, do it right the first time, get it done on time, would be all sorts of things that go that. And I'm just giving mm -hmm. you some overview here. Third thing is be responsive. Um, and that means being accessible, available, willing to help. That's the going above and beyond uh, expectations. By the way, if you really want people to really love you, give them extra stuff they don't expect. That's the really key thing. So being that doesn't mean for a manager to give them more junk to do. Not more junk to do, but like uh, for some of your clients, you might give them, uh, you know, say, you mm -hmm. know what, I'm going to throw in a free book for everybody. So exactly, and, and exactly. something you can do for somebody else in a positive way. Not, I want to make sure we clarify that this is not for a manager just to give. Oh, let me give them more work; they can do it. Yeah, no more can do it. Exactly. That's not too positive. Uh, and then the fourth thing is be credible. And the, the thing there is, do you, do you uh, explain trust? You know, there's an old saying, don't rust your trust. Takes years to build and what? Seconds to break. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because I've worked with some police departments and they said, you can crash the cars, you can mess up all you want, but never lie. Once you lie, you're out. So um, it's interesting when we talk about credibility, it's a good lesson to take from there. Uh, on that, that aspect of it. Uh, and then you look at what can you do to trust initially? And then what do you do to trust on an ongoing basis? You know, and it goes back to some of the stuff we talked about. Uh, initially, you want to have that, you know, that eye contact, the smile, uh, the openness, mm -hmm. uh, authenticity on an ongoing basis. You want to do what you say you're going to do, consistency. Integrity, um, yeah. Over words, we can get into that. And then the last thing I would say on that, uh, two last things, there's two more, appearance, and the old, old saying, don't judge a book by its appearance, but everybody does. Um, and it could be everything from dress. It could be how your, your, your image, you know, your smile, your openness, your forward lean, your territory, uh, eye contact could all be a factor in that. And then the last thing on there is empathy. Uh, and empathy means to put yourself in the other, it's basically putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, and by the way, when I talk about empathy, um, we've all heard that term, um, walk a mile in my shoes, but I, I like to take it a step further. Before you walk a mile in my shoes, you need to take off yours first. So really try to put yourself where they're coming from and share that analogy. Basis. Really, really good analogy. Well, those are the six key things in a, uh, wow. right there. Well, in our time today, we have covered a lot. And I'm actually going to invite folks to uh, make sure you check back to find out when this uh, episode is going to be on our video page at teamsrock.com uh, on our blog page. We will put uh, a lot of our episode, well, all of our episodes will be up there, but it takes a couple of extra weeks to process and get these out. So the audio version, it's great. 
you're going to want to see how Arnold uses some of his hands and how he presents some images here. So make sure you're coming back for the video version as well. In the meantime, Arnold Sanow, thank you very much for being with us today on the Teamwork Advantage, where we focus in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. And as you know, Arnold, you know me long enough. My philosophy is very simple. Don't bother having a good day because that's just being average. Until next time, here on the Teamwork Advantage, be sure to make it an awesome week. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.